0: Hello and welcome back to Chicks and Bulls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. My name is Marley Silver and as always, I am joined by my incredible co-hosts, Keeley, Dakota and Georgia. And guys, how are we feeling today? Ep 3, I can't believe we're already here wild (laughs) well look we've got a lot to cover today it's going to be a little bit you know intense i think some of the the topics in this episode um but i think it's it's pretty important and i'm really excited because georgia and keely are taking the reins on the two headlines we're going to jump into and i can't wait to um hear from them keely we had a bit of feedback during the week that we wanted to share with the with the listeners this one actually made me laugh out
1: loud (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so um, quick shout out to my good friend, Mitch Parker. Um, Sent me a message on Instagram just a bit of feedback about um, episode one, I think it was, um, when we were talking about snowboarding. It was, wasn't it? Snowboarding. Yeah. 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 And Marley said (laughs) 1,080 as we were trying to um, describe the amount of turns they did. Um, It's actually 1080. So thanks for that, Mitch. And now we're (laughs) informed. (laughs) Oh,
0: I, I, you know what? This is the thing that but this, this way podcasting is so good because you know it's a two way street of learning, right? Like we're we're given some things and we're getting stuff in return from people who are better informed than us who are listening to the show. When Keely told me that, I was like, I'm slightly embarrassed, but I'm more just comforted by the fact that now I know the the correct way to say it. So yeah. 1080 terms. Yeah, 1080. That was a great bit of feedback. Um, also. Been a big week. Uh, we got a little bit, I'm going to say a little bit of clout, two, two points of clout. Um, the first being uh, I popped in to ha- say hello to the godfather of football content on Instagram, Mr. Denon Kemp a.k.a. Bloke in a Bar, very generously let me come to his studio in Sydney and literally just have a bit of a chin wag and talk about uh, the space and, you know, what part we hope to play in it. And he was so generous with his time and also very supportive of having more female voices in and around. So he was, yeah, he was the best. So thank you, Denon. And also, who liked our Instagram video? Um, yep, Tony Hawk. The Ooh. Tony Hawk. Oh, my God, it's Tony Hawk. Like, I just wanted to say that in an American accent, um, which was pretty hectic as well. And the last little bit of feedback that's going to lead us into our MVPs is we had a DM from listener Eloise who seems like an absolute legend. She is a student studying sports media from memory, and she was just saying she loves the show, especially having more female voices in this space talking about sport, but she wanted to know why – We care about sport, um, which I think is a pretty fair question because I think we just expected that only people who know us were going to listen to the show. So we haven't given much of a background as to who we are and why we give a damn. So as we go around the room and do our standard giving our MVP of the week, I want to hear your little one-liners, a little bit of background info on why you love sport.
1: You are the real MVP.
0: Keely, let's go to you.
1: Oh, yeah, righto. Well, (laughs) I think as you'll start to get to know me more, you'll know that I literally live and breathe touch football. Um, It's my favourite sport in the world. And um, growing up also just in a rugby league house um, as Dad played footy, um, I've always been surrounded by it, always had a footy in hand. And um, Dad also, like, fangirled over MJ, Tom Brady, all the big big names – So when we don't really get a choice of what we watch on TV, we watch what Dad wants to watch. And uh, I think from a young age, we were meant to be sport heads. Um, My MVP is (laughs) Friday night because (laughs) we um, spontaneously went out at 8pm and we went to the Argyle. Shout out to the Argyle. Um, And we had such a fun night. Great crew. You know who you are, Um yeah that's my mvp what a time and for
0: context i was literally about to start making chocolate chip cookies and
1: i was literally like just went to the gym and sitting on the lounge and then um, our lovely friend zach messaged us yeah we're on we're like all right we smile but yeah spontaneous nights mvp
2: Can I be a part of that MVP for keeping you awake to get your failed McDonald's order that ended up in the rain? Quick John Dory. Killy FaceTimes me in her way home in the Uber, which Sydney is very large, by the way. That was the longest Uber ride ever. I'd left the venue I was at, walked home, dropped friends off at kick-ons, got home, showered, got into bed. And Keely was still in her Uber. (laughs) It's great. I tried to keep her awake on FaceTime for long enough to get her McDonald's Uber Eats to arrive, but um, as she found out in the morning, she passed out.
1: It got cancelled and my Uber driver said, I can't leave it in the rain, and he left. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it hurts. That's all right. I got over it. That's
0: actually so sad.
1: All right, Georgia, we'll stay
0: with you. Tell us why you love sport and who your MVP is this week.
2: Um, Similar to the rest of the chicks, I feel like I just grew up where. in a house where sport wasn't really an option. My dad worked in NRL for the majority of his career and my mum was sort of an amateur athlete growing up and then uh, has been a PE teacher for my whole life as well. So I'm the youngest of three. Uh, we all played every sport that we could get our hands on. Um, having a PE teacher at your, as your mum at the schools you went to also made participation very compulsory. So, yeah, Same as Kiehl's, always had a ball in hand and always been the um, tackle practice pad for my big brother. And that's how we got here. (laughs) Uh, My MVP of the week goes to uh, Brisbane Boys College Captain Mason Black, who made an address that went quite viral this week to his peers, which is huge about um, the state of the country and the world really, when it comes to the treatment of women in society and Having been to a school affiliated with BBC, um, I know how subtly but widespread toxic masculinity can be in those schools. And I think as a 17-year-old boy to get up in front of your peers and speak to them from your heart about personal experience for six minutes, that's just like unreal. I don't know many boys who could do it. So shout out Mason,
0: making changes, man. Back that. That's awesome. And yeah, it's so important, right? Like that's where change is made when people have bravery like that. So, Dakota.
3: Okay, um, mine's very similar to everyone else's. Um, just in and around footy my whole life, um, with dad, my pop, and two of my uncles playing it. Um, and then yeah, touch, oztag, tag, netball. You everything. playing footy? Oh yeah, I play. F- I <laughs> now, now yeah. yeah, but growing up, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't accessible then. <laughs> but now, yeah, now I play rugby league, which I love. I found that in the last few years. So that's amazing. But, yeah, just, yeah, we didn't have a choice, I guess, growing up. It just, it was the norm. Blessing in disguise. Yeah, really. 100%. My MVP this week, I regret to say, but I have to give it to my little sister. Oh, that's and massive that's from massive you. Yeah, that is massive. But super proud of her. She made her um, Seahawks, like, regional team for Oztag, which she, Yay. yeah, came home from the I was tackling thinking she didn't play that well, but mum told me she did. And I was like, Mum, you're so biased. I want to go with Kennedy, didn't play well. <laughs> but she did and she made it. And she was a shadow last year. So she was going to be Oh, that. that's so, so bad. Go Kennedy. Yeah. So go Kennedy Jones.
0: Yes. And Kennedy's in year seven as well. So <laughs> yeah. she
3: is an up and coming star. I'm not sure. <laughs> she plays soccer. And I don't, I don't understand.
1: Hey, hey, sad. hey, hey, hey <laughs> I don't Back yeah. off soccer. <laughs> I played soccer. Yeah,
0: Kiwi was all a little soccer head at one point before yeah. she went to touch. That's <laughs> That's really lovely, Dakota. Um, so I knew that we would all have similar um, kind of descriptions. Are you going to come up with something different? Of course, darling, uh-huh. I have to. I have to have a point of difference. Uh-huh. But I was thinking about it more on a big picture level. And I think that you guys would agree with this as well. But yeah, we grew up, grew up in a household where we had to be fluent in football to be able to have conversations with our father, <laughs> uh, which is a big part of why we care about it. But now as an adult and as someone, you know, f- my context being that I am a writer and I've worked mostly in the Indigenous space, I find that sport is a mechanism for change and a mechanism where conversations that are quite difficult to have in other contexts can be held. Um, you think about throughout history, you know, I think of really iconic and important images and, and moments that uh, influenced yeah, conversations and are, remain to be, you know, these iconic um you know things we reflect on i think of the 1968 olympics when two african-american um athletes uh, had that really iconic shot of them on the podium with the black power symbol um when because they were representing a country that um you know continued to oppress them for being black and i think you know that's something that's one of the most iconic images in history in more Recent times you think of Colin Kaepernick and using his NFL career to advocate again for, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. And then in an Australian context, um, you know, as an Aboriginal woman, seeing uh, what Adam Goodes went through and then his ability to turn such trauma into an incredible tool. Um, for talking, holding a mirror up to what Australia is and what it means to be Australian with the two documentaries that came out a few years ago. Um, that's what sport means to me now, is that it's a place where people who don't have these conversations or feel defensive or I don't know how to participate in conversations about race, about gender, about sexuality, where we can have these conversations, especially in Australia in a place where a big part of our identity is connected to sport that's why I care about it and that's why I particularly care that we are injecting female perspectives into the sports space because it's got the capability to make change sorry for the bit of a rant but I think that it's oh <laughs> Keely's a bit horrified well I would um no but, I'm just not
1: surprised
0: yeah well hey the people gotta know you gotta uh, know <gasps> and I would watch my tone Keeley, because I told the crew that my MVP was a surprise and the surprise is it's actually you Keely Silver You are my MVP of the week. (laughs) And I promise Shock you, me. I promise you Dakota, like well, I didn't know Dakota was going to say Kennedy. So we're just like That's showing some. I,
3: yeah. I didn't say that because I, I knew that that was yours. Oh, okay. That, yeah. that was mine. But then I knew, I knew. So,
0: I so uh-huh. Keely Silver, as she said, um, touch is life. Oh. And she <laughs> has worked. I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> and <laughs> it's also important for everyone to know. We are not affectionate and we do not say nice things about each other. But uh Keely has been named in the squad to trial for touch football's state of origin side. Yes, so, yeah, the women's women's opens, women's so opens New <laughs> South Wales touch football <laughs> side. Right. Sorry, I don't know the proper terminology. Um, but it has been something that Keely has wanted to be in. For a very long time uh so she's gonna trial this week i mean i don't know if it's gonna be affected by all this rain yeah
1: i don't know if grounds will be open but we'll see
0: but um yeah hopefully she will be playing for new south wales in the touch <sighs> state I? of origin yeah. so yeah keely you are my mvp
1: wow this
0: week and yeah lost, for words. lost for words words. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna savor it yeah i could frame it put it in my room yeah <laughs> <laughs> Now it is time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds where we dive into some of the, and if you hear dragging sounds Sorry. at the back, <laughs> Healy has been eating dinner as we we're recording, just so you know, and um, she had a couple of meat pies because she said that she scores meat pies and she eats meat pies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Around the Grounds. I'm
1: so sweaty. Okay, you do. <laughs> That's an ongoing thing in these podcasts make it, it makes me
3: nervous. Oh,
0: God. Okay, you know why Keely is sweaty? Because it's we're doing things a little bit different this week with Around the Grounds. We have two headlines we're going to dive into, some pretty chunky ones. And the first, Keely is going to lead us on. So I'm going to throw to you, Keels. what do you want
1: to talk about? Um, so over the last week, uh, the AFL has um, – was confirmed and brought out this new rule about a medical substitution um, in regards to concussions and brain injuries, uh, which is really interesting. And it was less than two days before round one last week. Uh, So basically all clubs are um, usually allowed a number of 22 players named, but they are now allowed an extra player. So there's 23 on the sheet um, who will be able to take the field. Um, Sorry, who won't be able to take the field, but be able to take the, the sheet. So the reason for this is this extra player is there in case someone gets a HIA concussion and ruled by the team doctor will not be able to return to play. And then that extra person is allowed to come onto the bench so that they still have a full squad. Um, because as we all know, like someone gets a HIA and a concussion um, and they're ruled out for the rest of the game, like that obviously is detrimental to your team, especially if you need that extra um, substitution. Um, and basically they've made it, um, a 12-day return um, within the AFL, which is an increase on the previous six days required um, last year, Um, which just – the goal is to add further protection for the players. Um, To be eligible for the substitution, the club doctor must decide that the injured player will be unable to play a game in the next 12 days, which I think is a pretty hard decision to make. Um, You know, in that heat of the moment, I'm lucky enough to be the physio for the young Tasha Gale girls at Sharks and – um, I've only had a few HIAs that I've had to do, but they've been cleared and able to stay on. The girls have been fine. But making that decision um, by the, f- the club doctor, up to 30% of high-risk athletes receive a concussion each season, and 30% is a pretty big number in regards to numbers of athletes, high-risk athletes being, you know, your contact um, sports. This one was pretty big. Um, 50% of concussions in sport are actually not recognised or reported. Um And at seven days, 20% of concussions still have cognitive impairment. So 20% is a pretty large number as well. And that's only after one week. And they still have something that's impaired. Um, But I think it's just this whole thing that AFL are doing. I think it's super great for player safety. Um, Just from a scientific perspective and what I've read about concussions, um, I think there was some discussion and some people were saying that there will be disadvantages um, and clubs will abuse the new rule. But I don't think that's possible because if someone's ruled out, they're definitely not allowed to play the next game. So I don't think there's a disadvantage or advantage w- either way. I think it's purely health and safety. Um, and I think it's super necessary for these physical codes of sport that we play. Um, also, just quick, to good to note, um, I was speaking to Jack Williams yesterday. I nearly said Jack Willie. Yeah. Um, Yesterday, who's in the um, NRL squad, but plays in New South Wales Cup for Sharks, and he said that they also have the, the new rule role in place this year, which is for New South Wales Cup, oh, Harvey, gosh. yeah, Harvey Norman Women's, um, and all the junior rep comps, and the 18th man is allowed to sit on the bench now. So they cannot take the field unless someone comes off with a HIA. They're allowed 15 minutes. They get retested if they then fail HIA again. Because they get a chance to come back onto the field, um, then they'll be ruled out for the rest of the game, and the 18th man is allowed onto the bench to allowed to take the field, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, just throwing it out to you guys, what do you think, um, about it?
3: Yeah, well, um, as you said that last year in the Harvey Norman comp, we had that. It was already a thing, and I thought it was great. I don't think we ever used it. They did sit on the bench and they wear a, um, like a red Yeah, the red vest. vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, so they know that they can't cheat them or anything like that. But, yeah, I think it's great. I think it makes sense. I don't know why it was never a thing.
1: But I also think it's cool because when you're usually 18th man, and I said this to Jack yesterday, well, when you're 18th man, you warm up and then you get changed. Like at mm. least you're – I don't know. I Me mean, personally, if that was me, I'd still be like, well, I'm still heaps And like I'm really amongst the team and if, I, if someone unfortunately gets HRA, well, I'm here. Mm,
0: I think, Georgia, I'd love to ask you this question because we put a poll on our Instagram story. Um, I think it was you who put it up there uh, when the medical substitution rule was confirmed, uh, asking whether people thought it would be abused or or it wouldn't be. Uh, And a lot of people said it was going to be abused. Uh, That was their presumption. Like a lot of people voted for that. I saw that was the majority. From an AFL community perspective – What's the discussion around this new rule feeling like?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting and I think just to confirm with the AFL ruling it is not specific to HIA. So it's any injury that the doctor at the time deems won't be recovered within the next 12 days. And obviously the biggest point in this is that it's there to protect the players so that teams and management aren't, you know, sacrificing or risking a player to stay on the field for the sake of the team who clearly shouldn't be out there. I think I've had some really mixed conversations with people in the AFL community about the AFL community, Victorians, about this over the past week. Um, I think it's been interesting to watch the HIA sub roll into league and probably having seen that be used in different ways some potentially questionable ways across the past couple of years it's easy for me to relay that to like that um, experience to what I think will come out of the AFL but yeah definitely majority on our poll said they think it will be abused they think in performance standards with your younger forwards it'll encourage teams to you know try a player or blood players that might not quite be ready and then pull them off knowing that they won't be playing in the weeks to come um but yeah, I mean, you would hope that they don't abuse it. I think it's there for all the right reasons. Um, you obviously want to be protecting your players, even if there is the slightest bit of concern about their um, brain injuries and so forth. We've seen so many studies coming out of the US and more recently Australia in contact sports about how detrimental the long-term effects of this can be. So, look, I in my opinion, if a few pl- players or clubs abuse it, but it saves a few people, it's probably worth the
1: risk. Yeah, actually, just back to what you said, um, I read that should a sub-doubt player recover from injury other than concussions um, before the next match, he may be granted to play provide. It's ticked off by the AFL medical officer. So that's, so that's, yeah, where that's abuse, probably where the yeah, abuse right. comes in, yeah.
0: I, I think, mm. yeah, I completely agree with you, Georgia, because when I am, like, listening to this story, I feel... I felt a bit uncomfortable even kind of offering a perspective because I was like, I'm not a scientist. I don't know things about medicine. But on an anecdotal level, I think, and also thinking about the general well being of players and things like that, it it just feels absolutely necessary. I think the well being of players has to be absolutely a top priority. I think about, you know, when dad was playing, and I hope that listeners forgive us from. you know, constantly referring back to, you know, what our dads have done and whatever. But I think that's where the majority of of our knowledge and lived experience comes from. But we have stories of of dad in in his 14 years of rugby league, how many concussions he's had. Is It actually makes me feel sick to think about it. But, you know, there's examples of when he was knocked out cold and, you know, stretched off the field. As soon as he came to... He would be carted back on there, uh, especially as a fullback. He got coat-hanged quite a few times, and he was a, a little a guy, and um, you know, it saw him become a target for that sort of stuff. But I just think it's it's so scary to think that h- how much damage his brain copped, and even his memory.
1: Mum used to yeah. stitch him up,
0: yeah, and say he had four sons and that, and he was like really happy about it with would and cry of happiness home. and realize that he actually has two daughters, yeah. <laughs> but you know, and it's we have a laugh about those sorts of stories, but the. Complete disregard for the long-term impact um, of that back in the day is truly terrifying. And it is great to see that there's all these sorts of new protocols and things coming through. I don't know if it is enough, and I think there's a lot of discussion around the Junior League and what should be done there. And I think that there's a really interesting um, movement happening in the States, actually, because obviously CTE and these concussion-related diseases and injuries have kind of – there's been way more coverage of it in the nfl um but there's there's whole communities that are completely abandoning their um little like their little kids they most of them have transitioned into just tags they won't do contact for um juniors and there's like especially in texas because it's like a big football state there's like yeah whole junior clubs and everything that have um, gone completely broke because none of they don't want their kids to play the sport. So I wonder – and they, we, we've seen such a decline in, in junior league um, registrations in, in Australia as well, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I was thinking about is um, maybe what do we do for the young kids because so much more damage can be done when you get knocked out when you're still a developing brain.
3: And So I think there needs to be more – Not, not, I guess, scare tactics, but it needs to become apparent to the players that are playing now that it's actually not a joke and you need to take it a little bit more seriously because, like, you know about it and you know that it's a thing, but in that time, you're just thinking, get back out on the field. And I
0: think yeah, especially when the expectation is going to be to not, not play. to sit out for three yeah. weeks or whatever. If it is
3: you know really bad, Pass that trail, yeah. I think
0: you know the Roosters is a club that has obviously been rocked by this quite heavily um, for the back end of last season mm-hmm. and even to this the the first two rounds with Jake Friend out for it and, and that kind of stuff as well. Uh, they it seems like they're doing the right thing with the protocols and everything, but it's also really scary. And I think there's probably you know some far smarter science person who could tell you why it seems like there are some players who it happens to more regularly and maybe it's their style of play or maybe, you know, there's also an element where you're already more susceptible because you're, yeah, it's happening to you more. I don't know. Like it's so complex and it's scary and I think we do need to talk about it and there needs to be more and more protocols and um, structures in place to protect the old noggin.
1: It's a shame because obviously you can't have a doctor at every ground, for every – yeah. Game, so I mean, there there isn't enough management concussion management and educational resources that are probably um, more strictly given to like allied health curriculums and um, medical staff and stuff. We, you know, everyone's got their initial things that you need to go through um, and what you need to learn, but uh, probably just to be stricter and to the I know I know like for the footy, all the players have to do a concussion tutorial thing online, um, but whether they actually read it who knows so. and, and maybe
0: it's about implementing it into like general first aid you know yeah, for, for people for sure. who are wanting to be coaches or trainers in you know local games and and not just in rugby league but there's so many examples of cte we had and concussion in netball now. last two years ago yeah you're playing on cement It's yeah. gonna happen you head to grout
2: last week Photos of the weight rooms in the March Madness bubbles for the world's biggest college basketball competition were released. In response to the uproar, the NCAA came out with a statement saying that the lack of facilities for the girls' teams was due to space confinements and that the intention is and always was to increase the equipment as more teams were eliminated from the comp and more space became available. In response to this statement, on March 19, Oregon Ducks forward 20-year-old Sedona Prince posted to TikTok and Twitter a video that has since gone viral. In it, Sedona questions the space confinements that the NCAA were referring to as she pans around an empty basketball court-sized space that their one-weight rack was being stored in. Since these videos were released, many local gyms and businesses offered up weight and gym equipment for the girls. Countless NBA stars, including but not limited to the Warriors' Stephen Curry, Brooklyn Nets' Kyrie Irving and Women's Phoenix player Kaya Nurse, have called out the NCAA and highlighted the lack of respect considering how much money women's college basketball brings in and what the sheer scale of this comp does for all women's codes worldwide. For context, while it is significantly less than the men's and the NCAA have never been completely transparent with the exact finances of the women's league, it is estimated that the women's comp still brings in a whopping $35 million in TV revenue alone in the month of March each year. With the eyes of the world now firmly on them, the power and goodness of social media prevailed and the NCAA filled the pre-existing empty space with gym equipment to rival the men's. But it didn't end there. Photos of the men's buffets versus women's aeroplane-style meals provided, playing kits and competition merch differences, and court facilities where the men play in stadiums with capacities of up to 11,000 people and the women only have 36 seats per team were then released. Naturally, onlookers were again thoroughly disappointed. To quote Sedona, it's 2021 and we're still fighting for bits and pieces of equality. Now, we're no strangers to the conversation surrounding men's versus women's leagues across all sports and the ways in which inequality festers throughout them. But following this week, one conversation had us circling back more than others. It's not lost on us that the differences such as these in the development provided for young women is often forgot about when it comes to discussing the quality and performance in women's codes. If women are not provided the same opportunities for development, things as small as the same facilities to lift heavier weights, how can we ever expect them to become stronger? Marley, I feel like you'll have a hot take here.
0: Oh, geez, you can tell a story. you really want to start now? Can tell a story, Georgia, I have to say. (laughs) That set the scene really perfectly and hearing you tell it in that way for me, emphasise the weight of it, and I think how viral this story went, um, is telling for where we are at as a global community in our relation to uh, relationship to women's sport. That's what makes me feel hopeful. I don't have a full understanding of the NCAA and the how big it is, and you know, I just don't know that much about um, college sports in the states. But how much this has caused waves and and ripples and so many conversations really really made me feel so so warm inside reflecting on the, the the bigger discussion around resources and infrastructure and pathways for female athletes to rise the ranks to become professionals and have those professional leagues as you said uh rival you know men's that is such a big part of this equality conversation that we don't focus on enough because everyone gets caught up in the pay debate and everyone likes to say, oh, but the quality is not as good so they shouldn't be paid the same as men. Um, everyone likes to get caught up on the, the less numbers that watch and tune in to um, when it's televised and things like that. But everyone completely ignores the fact that Before you get there, you have to look at all the other things that happen in terms of the development and and up-and-comments. And And, uh, I think it's been a truly incredible spotlight. I think that we'll see in the coming weeks that the ratings for these women's games in March Madness are going to be through the roof. I think it's awesome to see male allies come out like Steph Curry um, calling it out and showing – other men that it's really cool to give a damn about women's sport um and i'm i'm hoping that you know it it trickles into yeah the global sporting community around this sort of stuff when i shared the um the video and the, the content on our Instagram. Um, I, t- I talked about the fact that a couple of years ago I was having a conversation with someone who works in sport and sports infrastructure and they were uh, sitting in a meeting and they're a woman, sitting in a meeting for a, a new stadium that was being built and halfway through it uh, they made the point that they hadn't thought about putting in women's um Toilet. Lo- toilets in in the locker rooms um, for the stadium because they just had no concept of having female athletes use the stadium. Uh, so it, it, and it's because most of these rooms are filled with men and old school men who are not thinking about the ways that the sporting world is changing. So it, it's probably where the biggest gap in the equality is and needs to
3: be addressed and can be addressed so easily. I don't understand. Something went wrong in the planning of this and just they it was, the women were a second thought, mm. and they've just brushed them off and said, "Oh, we we don't have that. We've put so much funding into this men's thing. Let's just give them aeroplane food because we forgot to fund that. Mm. When surely they could have made an agreement. If we're going to get fifty meals for the men that day, why didn't you just get a hundred? Mm. Like I don't understand what went wrong in the planning of this. For whoever planned it, really did not, as you said, think of the women, and it was an afterthought. And they went, oh." crap, we've got the girls here, let's just, we've got this much in the budget, we'll just get whatever they want. I think that on
0: a logistic level, I imagine, and I'd have to fact check this, but I'd imagine there's like two teams, you know, the teams that one team within the NCAA that works on the women's and one team that works on the men's and then the women's would be allocated a budget that's a lot smaller than the men's because of the revenue that they bring in in comparison. Even though $35 million, think, imagine that for a college. Oh my God. Like that is insane to bring that in television um, revenue.
2: And this is the thing, there's been direct debates surrounding the college sports systems in the States for a really long time in that the players can't and don't get paid. And that quite often these universities for their bigger name players own their image and likeness for the period of time that they are at the college. So look, there's hundreds of discussions circulating about where the money is going when it comes to these college athletes. But and I think if you related it back to, say, the Australian NRL or the AFL, where there is a women's league, and there are really stark differences in the money that comes in through both clubs, both clubs being the men's and the women's, and quite frankly, really stark differences in the amount of money that the AFL and or NRL have, period. Not wealthy like the state's. But when you look at a competition like this that is the biggest of its kind and that is making more money than you can poke a stick at, if leagues of that level with that much money can't get it right, who on God's green earth is expecting small Australian leagues in Australia regardless of the code to get it right? You've got $35 million minimum in one month. And you can't fund it properly for one month, like no wonder no one else is following suit. Like
1: Yeah, no. I <laughs> you guys literally said all my thoughts. Um, like when I watched the TikTok, I was kinda like, Oh, it's probably not that much of a difference. Like watching it like initially, and then she shows the weight room and it's that small little stand. And I was just completely shook. I just can't get my head around any of it. Um Just doesn't make sense to me. I'm I mean, from the earlier chat, I'm very mathematical, scientific, black or white brain, and for me it should just be a simple answer and it would should like it just should just be done right and people are silly. But um yeah, I was really gonna comment on the fact that the male allies getting on board is the best thing that can happen. And I've actually seen a few um Australian male athletes share heaps of things over the, you know, the past couple of weeks, especially with um, for women's safety and um, just general things about females doing great. A couple of days ago, Dylan Brown shared um, a thing about females on his Instagram, and I've seen heaps of other boys do it, and I just think it's really good in tying in with Steph Curry. You know, when you see the big dogs get around it, then people will follow suit in that sense, and I think that's what you're talking about, how globally you can see that's where the change is, whether it's all of us coming together (laughs) against the stupid corporate people, but yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say, is that often, you you
0: can look at any kind of inequality, uh, the average person, or in this case, the average player wants to see that equality and understands that it only strengthens the sport as a whole. When both, you know, everyone who plays it gets equal opportunities, that strengthens the entirety of the sport. The problem remains, as it does in so many different examples, in executive leadership, in people who have their hands on the purse strings, who, you know, whether it's in media, whether it's um, in the administration of these sports and different codes, they're the ones who actually have the power to provide these resources, to invest in infrastructure, to invest in the junior leagues of females and things like that um, that need to be pressured to do so. And I think I am hopeful that having the the voices of, you know, the, the big dogs, as you called them, Keely, <laughs> will hopefully see uh, – well, actually, you know what? Those big dogs, when they talk like that, then audiences will be like, yeah, I back Steph Curry 100%. This is bull crap, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And that's really where the money is, is in your consumer. So hopefully that's then gets back to the people yeah. at the top who, ch- who can make those changes.
2: Yeah, it's like any social change, it comes from applying pressure. Like, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times the people at the top aren't making the best decisions for the people. And when Someone speaks out, whether it's a Steph Curry or a Sedona Prince, who before this week I'm sure not many people in Australia knew. Once they get movement and society applies pressure, the people at the top have no choice. So it's always going to come from these sorts of movements starting. And, you know, social media like we touched on last week can be a hellhole, but God, it can do some good when people work for it.
0: Power to the people. And that brings us to our final segment of the show. It is our Ones to Watch where we provide a recommendation on something to watch this week, whether it's a sporting game or a Netflix show. Get around it. Um, yeah, I love our Ones to Watch. I've been like – oh, Keely's pulling
1: dickhead faces at me.
0: says <laughs> you can kick us off then, kills. What's yes, your Ones to Watch? Yes,
1: sir. Um, okay, I have two. Um, sorry.
0: <laughs> I have two as well and I think Georgia has two as well. So we, we've we all got two. Dramatic, amazing.
1: really dramatic. Um, My first one is Concussion, which is a movie on Netflix just in ties with my um, chat earlier. Um, it's really cool. Will Smith's in it and it's really interesting um, about, yeah. I won't say too much, but, yeah, it's really good. Um, and my other one.
2: I just, I just saw your second one and got really stressed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh. I'm surprised he didn't look at it earlier. Yeah. Um, the second one is on Thursday night, um, so obviously this is pre-recorded, um, so it will be yeah in the future when you guys listen to this. Um, so Thursday night is the grand final rematch between Storm <laughs> and the Panthers, and George is really nervous. Um, it's at it's in Penrith, so should be a good game. I'm excited. I tip the Storm. I'm, I'm tipping them. the Storm. I back them.
0: George is dancing.
2: Thank you on behalf of. The
0: Storm.
1: <laughs> 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 no, don't cut that. It's funny, as yes.
0: I'm just going to use that little video clip of on behalf of the Storm for the promo <laughs> of the
1: episode.
0: <laughs> Dakota.
3: On to go on from Keely's. Mine's a concussion thing as well. Um, 60 Minutes this Sunday night has a massive deep dive into concussions and how to, they're trying to treat them and things. There's a doctor, Michael Bucklin, He's on there as well. When he's really interesting, he's actually – getting donated brains and looking into them once they have people have passed um, and diagnosing them with all those diseases is to try combat and fight that while they're alive because there's no way to diagnose it when yeah. they're alive. So, uh, yeah, 60 minutes this Sunday night if you can tune in. You'll if you're not too things. busy
1: watching maths.
0: <laughs> oh God, who even watches that anymore? <laughs> Our dad. Yeah, true. <laughs>
1: Daughter
2: um my one to watch is also a bit topical at the moment with all the chats getting around about women's safety and unfortunately the abuse that they suffer at the hands of their employers a lot um athlete a on netflix it talks about the larry Nassar saga in the american gymnastics team will give a trigger warning it is a lot about abuse so be careful watching that but um very interesting, super moving, and I just, again, a real power of the people movie where these girls really rallied to make their voices heard. So that's my recommendation. And if that's too heavy for you, Icarus, about the Russian Olympics team drug scandal, also kind of heavy really, but very interesting. I've watched both of those.
0: Yeah, I, I back I back both of those recommendations. The Athlete A1 is pretty heavy, but you feel so incredibly inspired by the strength of the women. Yeah. Um, Throughout it. So, I recommend that. Um, My ones to watch, I am so happy that my TikTok algorithm has shown me so many beautiful things this week, uh, mostly from AFL Club's TikTok pages. So, my recommendation is to go and look at all the AFL Club's TikToks. Um, I'm just going to give you three examples of TikToks that. I absolutely loved this week from AFL clubs. The first one was from the Sydney Swans. They put together a compilation of all their debutants who played over the weekend. Just past, ringing their parents to tell them that they were debuting. Tears. I was was say, so, how much did you cry? Oh my god! All of these made me cry. It was so beautiful. I. I love that. Then the Geelong Cats put a video out of Sammy, their water boy, who um, – So
1: good. Oh, so what beautiful. He's a legend. He's I would love legend. to meet
0: him. And he's done – I think he's been their water boy for a few years but couldn't do it last year because of COVID. So Sammy has Down syndrome and he – Got to come back and be water boy for the game for the first time um, since COVID last year, and he walks. The, the video is him walking into the
1: team with meeting. a WWE belt Bell- on his shoulder, saying, "I'm back."
0: And, it, and then, like, it just shows him and he's like, "Goes stick it up him or something." And it was so the boys get around good. him so good, and it was just beautiful. And you could just see how excited he is to be back. And I'm so excited he's back. And I didn't even know who he was until two days ago, and I'm just stoked <laughs> for him. I mean, then then the last one. I saw, I think, I don't know if it was on the actual Adelaide Crows official um, TikTok, but it's in there in the ethos of Stephen Rowe who was played AFL um, and now commentates. And he actually was commentating the um, Crows game that his son was debuting in. His son's name is James and he kicked his first goal in the AFL and there's like this beautiful... Point of him and Keely cried in watching this one. Yeah, I had a tear. I'm gonna insert the the um audio in it ac- from it actually because it's so just perfect and it's just a really proud dad being like, "Good boy" when he kicks
3: it. Oh, it's oh, so beautiful, it's so good. <laughs> he steadies himself. Oh, he's and got kick. He's mad. Oh, he's going crazy. <laughs>
0: But yes, TikTok AFL, and also last thing. I'm talking way too much. But last thing I'm gonna say is go and listen to our chicks and balls official pump up playlist on Spotify. Linked in our bio on Instagram. It's got all of our pump up tracks. Keeleys are interesting. Um, what do you mean you liked them? Yeah, but I don't know if I would call them pump up tracks. It's because you've never been at a like, i.e., i.e., J Lo. <laughs> Let's it. get loud. Like
3: I don't no, know. No, that, that is a banger. Are you kidding? I mean, I don't know. Okay, like, for me, I need you heavy. Think rap. That Let's
1: get loud is a good pump up, good sing along to get you know team morale. And yeah. can like you send on us the a DM in. this week, please, and tell Molly that she's silly.
0: Anyway, thanks for listening. We've made it to the end of this episode of Chicks and Balls the podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us for being a part of this this it was a pretty heavy one this week i think but i we had some really important conversations that i'm so glad you girls brought to the table uh if you did enjoy the show please make sure you subscribe give us a five star rating on apple Podcasts, follow us on instagram at chicks and balls pod and i can tell you that this week we are recording three count them three conversations with three different athletes Day three again. That will be released in the coming weeks for our first halftime huddles. We've got an A-League soccer player. we got an ex-NRL player. And we have an Australian diamond. Diverse athletes. It is going to be killer. killer. So get pumped. You guys. That
1: was very Triple J of you. Killer. <laughs> Gnarly. Gnarly morally. All right. It's a vibe, man. Peace out. Peace out. Bye. Peace.